What is going on, everybody? You're tuning back into your favorite midweek sports podcast. Find us on Spotify at Bartop Sports. No, I was about to save .com. That'd be cool, though. I mean, we technically have our own website through RSS. RSS.com. Let's go. But I like it. Thank you guys for joining us again. Another episode. Hope you guys all enjoyed episode 50. We had a lot of fun with that one. Nice little celebration, a milestone to to celebrate. But we got some more good stuff coming for you guys for episode 51. Ryan, I first want to start off. I didn't realize that our last episode was the first episode of May. How did you spend your first weekend of May? What weekend was that? This past weekend. Cinco de Mayo weekend. I think I worked. Oh, that is true. Yeah, sadly. I forget you work a lot of weekends. Yeah, RIP. Man, I got to go see Guardians 3. Highly suggest going to see that if you haven't already. It's a, a, it'll tug your heartstrings. I liked it, but I, I feel like it was not as eventful as you think. as like a finale of a series, if that makes sense. Like, I know some of the other characters are already, like, have roles in future Marvel projects, so it's not the end. But, like, it's the end of the Guardians, so I don't know. Oh, you did see it? Yeah. Which day? I recommend it last week. Wednesday? Thursday? Because it came out on Friday. I hope Emily's not listening. (laughs) (laughs) One of the days. It was a good movie. I did enjoy it. I got to see that. Watched Canelo Alvarez pick up another win in his illustrious career. That was really cool. It's always a holiday whenever Canelo fights. <laughs> that was a good fight. I don't know if you got to see the highlights of it or not. No, I don't really get into that too much. I try, but there's just too much going on. Uh, I mean, there is. There's it, like a million different belts. I, I don't know. It is kind of hard to keep up with. This one, Canelo was retaining his 168 WBC belt, I want to say, against John Ryder from England. It was actually a pretty good fight. Went 12 rounds. And then Sunday, me and the fiance, we went to a tulip field at a fun farm in Kearney, Missouri. I suggest going there this summer with Emily. It would be a good date. Damn. That's enough about us, though. That's enough about our first weekend of this beautiful month of May. It's time to get into week two, episode 51. Some things to look forward to. We're going to talk some NBA second round. We're going to give you guys an update, kind of give you guys our thoughts on what stood out. It's getting down to almost conference finals time now. It's crazy. Playoffs, they always seem to fly by. Yeah. They've been enjoyable, though. Week 7 power rankings of the MLB season. We'll, and then to follow that up, we have some news going around the MLB. The Royals, it, I will say, this Royals update is one of the more positive ones that we'll have in quite a while. Or that we've had in quite a while. So that's something to look forward to. Stay tuned for that one. It's going to be here in a few minutes. NFL. It's not NFL season. Draft season's gone and come, come and gone. But the NFL just reigns supreme. It's, there's always breaking news in the NFL. Tomorrow is the official release date of the NFL schedules. It's always an exciting time. They've made it more of an event over the last few years. They've made people more engaged on social media. I like that some of the organizations that have 
they have fun with it. Yeah. They'll do they'll come up with creative ways of uh releasing their schedules. I think uh the Chargers, I think one year they did a they did it through using Pop Tarts <laughs> as uh their opposing team's colors. So I mean they they do little fun creative things like that, but we'll have that for you guys. There's already been a few announcements regarding your Kansas City Chiefs. If you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, of course. But mine and Ryan's Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. Super Bowl 57, Kansas City Chiefs getting ready to defend their title. They, the NFL released a few of the games for the 2023 season for the Chiefs. So I'm very excited to get into that. We'll talk some more. And then also, at part of the end of the NFL segment, there's the future of sports wagering and the balance for Missouri. This coming Friday. So, Ryan, it'll depend whether you can vote or not vote, but bet in the state of Missouri until next year, of course. But I'll save that for you guys at the end of the NFL segment. And it's been a while since we talked college hoops. Too long. Too long, man. Ever since March Madness. And with the technical difficulties, we didn't actually get to recap, you know, the Final Four. So, we're not going to do that, but. We're talking about the latest news in college hoops regarding our Kansas Jayhawks and one of the biggest names in high schools, high school hoops, I guess you could say. He made his commitment. I'm going to save that for later. That's enough previews. Let's get into it. Episode 51, NBA edition, second round. A lot of these series, they're now at six games. A lot of big games tonight, elimination games, some game fives, Miami Heat versus the New York Knicks. The Knicks are backed up against the wall, as well as the Golden State Warriors. The Los Angeles Lakers have them in a 3-1 chokehold. Boston Celtics, they fell to a 3-2 series to the Sixers yesterday. The Denver Nuggets also extended their lead to a 3-2 over the Phoenix Suns. And if you could see, if, if this video is broadcasted visually, you know, through YouTube, of course, you, you could see that Ryan's being a hater today and wearing a Philadelphia shirt. It's my undershirt for work. I almost had to kick him off set. Just, Embiid was a Jayhawk. Embiid was a Jayhawk. We celebrated his MVP. You don't have to wear that shirt, man. Hmm. No, all jokes aside, I do, I do like the Sixers a little bit. I don't really, except for Embiid. I don't really. Embiid's cool. Tobias Harris, he's a he's a likable guy, I guess. Him and, uh, you remember him and Toby? Yeah. Or Boban? Yeah, Boban. Bo- Toby and Boban. Toby and Bobby. That's, That's friendship goals. That is, yeah. Other than that, I could really care less about them. What stood out? These, we got to see a good sample size of these games now. What, what has stood out from... Both the Western Conference semifinals and the Eastern Conference semifinals from the different series. I think Jimmy Butler just being kind of a, not a non-factor in the regular season, but like a mid-teens guy. Then he gets into the playoffs and it's like upper 20s. He already has the 50 bomb. I don't know. I think that. Also, even though like, you know that defense really steps up in the playoffs, I just didn't realize how like hard the defense was. But most of those games still end in blowouts. Or like they're blowouts until like, you know, all the, like, reserves come in. Most of these games have been relatively low scoring, actually. Mm-hmm. I was looking at that today. The lines for Miami and New York was 209. 
total total points. I'd take the under. So I actually looked at it. The they've hit it twice in the series. They've hit over two oh nine. And then the Warriors and the Lakers, I believe, were at two twenty five, which is a very tricky one. Because they've hit, I believe, 227, 229 a few times. But then the other games have been below 225 total. So it's been tricky. Even uh, the, I believe the Denver Nuggets, they've held the Suns well below their season averages and scoring. It, it's, it's been pretty competitive on the defensive end. Something that it really isn't that common in today's NBA. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to see. What else? What what matchups have you liked watching? Embiid, just anything Embiid does. I mean, I there, he's, there's no one that can guard him on the Celtics. No, there's nobody in the league that can guard that dude. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like even though I'm not the biggest Joker fan, what he's been able to do is kind of crazy. He's been, I mean, he's showing why he was an MVP candidate or why he was probably 1B. My favorite thing is watching him. And, you know, he's pretty fair skinned like I am. Just seeing his arms after the game, people fighting over screens, like just his arms are just bruised and red and just messed up after every game. Oh, he takes a beating. Yeah, he does. And he never really gets mad, really. No, he's except a, with fans. He's a very <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the Suns owner. It was good that the Suns owner, you know, owned up to it and took some accountability and was like, you know, I I shouldn't have done that. I don't blame him. Unfortunately, the NBA did find Nikolai Jokic, $25,000. Jokic joked that uh, he was hoping that the Suns owner was going to pay his fine. <laughs> Unfortunately, he did not. That would have been really cool. Yeah. It, I don't know if they let other people pay fines like that, but it'd be cool. I mean, I'm sure they they probably handle it some way, but yeah. He, he should have. He should have. But no, Jokic, uh, my, my cousin that I talked about, the one that came here for the draft, he's a big Broncos fan. Well, he also loves the Denver Nuggets. I mean, naturally, because that's where he grew up was at Denver. He uh, he loves Jokic. Jokic reminds him of uh, the old days. You know, Jokic is more fundamentally sound than a lot of the players today. His skill level is very high. Athleticism, obviously lower, but he's just a special talent. But his nickname for him, and I, I wish that people would, you know, make this stick. And I wish it would, you know, spread throughout social media. So my cousin calls him Dad Bod God. <laughs> I love that. How catchy is that, right? It is crazy. Because realistically, he's probably like, what, like 10% body fat, probably lower. But compared to all the other, like, I don't know, like freakish bodies in the NBA, he doesn't look like he's built like that. But, I mean, he'll go in there and play 40 plus minutes sometimes and not even really look too tired. Yeah, he's, he's doing it for the, the chubby guys out there, for sure. He's holding it down. Now, something that, a few things that have stood out to me and one in particular during that series despite the Suns being down how about Devin Booker's efficiency he's hooping so as of two days ago and even I'm not sure what his stat line was last night I can take a look at it here in a second but as of two days ago Book was averaging 36.8 points per game on 61% uh, 61.7% shooting he wants that chip it's just added not enough. So last night, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm going to take a look at his stat line just because I'm curious. 
those those are really impressive numbers for him. I think he's taken another step in being a leader, you know, from a lead by example type of thing. He's becoming he's became that guy. Even Kevin Durant's taking the back seat, which is pretty surprising. So last night though, obviously didn't go the way they wanted. He still scored twenty eight points. It was eight of nineteen from the floor. Still not bad. The fact that a shooting guard, though, is 61% from the field. Now, of course, he's just killing them in the mid-range. But still, yeah, that's that's something to, you know, tip your cap to. If this was in, like, 18 feet, that's like shoot-around for him. It really is. It really is, for sure. Now, another thing, on the Eastern Conference, or no, it's the Western Conference side, sorry. You you were a fan of this guy last year. I'm wondering what your thoughts are now. You don't got to do me like that. Yeah, I noticed you don't have that shirt on. So in the notes, and I did it just to see if you would say something, but you didn't. So now I'm going to bring it up. Is the pool party over? No. The pool the pool party isn't over, huh? No, but I think the Warriors might be. No, that, yeah, I think there. I, I agree with you there. But yeah, I, I think they'll win tonight, though. I don't know, Jordan Poole, you know, in his little girly press conference where he had his back to the media and was just giving, like, one-word responses, he was, I don't agree with him saying it, like, to the media, but he was like, nothing's changed, my work ethic's still the same, I prepare the same, I'm just not getting the opportunities. Maybe that is true. I mean, he only had 10 minutes last game, but then again, from Steve Kerr's perspective, your coach, are you going to let him get, you know, 20-plus minutes a game? And hoping he gets hot and shoots more efficiently? Or are you going to give it to the greatest shooter ever and then possibly the second greatest shooter ever? He definitely has an argument, you know, Clay. And Clay hasn't really played that well. No. But, I mean, like what Steve Kerr said, like sometimes they take bad shots, but they usually make those bad shots. So it's hard to shoot or shoot. You can't mess with their confidence like that. As a coach, I'd probably be so frustrated. And I get it. Obviously, the game today is basically five out. Everyone's around the perimeter. Guys like Steph and Clay have changed the game forever. Jordan Poole is yet another example of that. He's not necessarily, I won't even say carbon copy, but he has a similar game to Steph Curry. And he's a guy that's a streaky shooter, but when he's hot, you know, he's hot. It depends who's sitting courtside. That, <laughs> that is correct. But. You pointed out something that uh, it actually surfaced on Twitter that, uh, who was it? Kim K. So, Kim, yeah, Kim Kardashian was sitting courtside. But, I mean, his numbers. Two straight games, buddy. And, and his numbers were still, you know, subpar. Kardashian curse. I'm calling it. <laughs> so, a quick look at his numbers. So, last year, 2022 playoffs, where he really blew up and where he earned that contract. 17 points per game. from the floor, which is really impressive for him. 2.3 threes made per game and a 39.1 three-point percentage. This season, or at least these playoffs, completely different story. 11.6 points per game. 35, oh my goodness, 35.5% from the floor. P.U. It's tough. 1.5 threes made per game and a 28.8 three-point percentage. It's rough. 
I think some of that's contributed to defense stepping up in the playoffs. But also sometimes when he's on the floor, he'll be there with Draymond and Kevon Looney, however you say his name. I always pronounce names wrong. So it's like the floor's not really stretched, and they know he's been struggling, so they're daring him to shoot too. And it's hard when you're playing inconsistent minutes like that too. I don't know. Shoot or shoot, though, I'm sure he'll bounce back. But they've also been a terrible road team all season, which is weird. And I think that comes from lack of scoring from the bench, too. Because how many people do they have coming off their bench where you're like, oh, they can go get a bucket? DiVincenzo. That dude's a weird liability on defense. And then he's a streaky shooter, too. That's what I was going to say. He is streaky. But J- Jordan Poole, it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense. But it makes it almost seem as if last year was a fluke. And now we're really seeing him for what he is. He he finally came back down to earth. You know, he had an incredible run last year as a six man in the playoffs. This season, you know, that's not the case. I do wonder, and people have obviously still talked about it, the start of the season. Has that still, you know, carried over into this calendar year? I would say so. Because they've always been known for, like, a drama-free team for the most part, other than, like, Draymond getting in trouble occasionally or technicals. But they've had a lot of injuries this season, so I think that plays into it, too. But also, what are they going to do, like, with the big three? Is Clay going to get his bag, or is Draymond going to get the bag? Are they going to trade people like you were telling me before the show, or some of the rumors and stuff? Oh, that was Colin Coward. That's, he's just talking out of his, you know what. Yeah, but I've already seen other stuff like on social and stuff and on some of the sports show they brought it up are they going to move people how are they going to do it i mean it's inevitable it it is that this is probably you know the last ride or the the last dance yeah now speaking of draymond green i will say i do kind of like what he's doing from a perspective with his podcast the draymond green show we talked about it last year when he, I think he first started last year in 2022, he's doing it again. I think it is cool for from a fan perspective because you're getting to hear a player's unfiltered opinion on how the game that he just played in went from his perspective. You're getting obviously he's a high IQ guy. He's gonna you know break down and give great analysis. Now I want your opinion though because. For me, I don't think we need to hear from this dude after every single game, especially after they lose. No, I don't like it. You all, you hear about like NBA players or in other sports, they do it too. Like I delete social media during the playoffs or postseason. Like you hear a lot of professional athletes say stuff like that. I think he should do the same. Like LeBron said in his, it was this week, but like his advice to the younger players in the playoffs. And he said, don't pay attention to social media. Don't get on social media. And I get it, if, if it's in his free time, you can't tell him not to. But I think if he wants to record them, that's his right. But I don't think he should release them until after the playoffs. Or until they're eliminated, whatever. I mean, it is kind of a cool perspective. But then again, it's like, just get off social, don't do anything until after. I don't think it's helping them. Because, like, we're practicing, we're trying to get ready. Like, I know they have free time, but then he's doing his podcast. Like, I don't know, I think it's a little corny, but... I actually don't like him, but I like him on his podcast, if that makes sense. It, he says it, some cool stuff. It is interesting that it, uh, that's just the day and age that we live in. Social media, content creators. I mean, yeah, we're, that's us. Yeah. It's, oh, we're content creators? Well, no. That's I, wild. Well, this is content, and we're creating it, so you I said it. <laughs> I, 
I wouldn't go as far as to say, you know, the TikTok or... I'm putting it in my bio on, on Twitter <laughs> right when we get off. Call yourself an influencer. No, but like, like I mentioned, I do think that it, it is cool because that's something that a fan has never got to see before. You know what I mean? Mm. But at the same time, that guy, even in his podcast, he's not really owning up to how he's playing. I think in his latest one, I didn't watch it. I don't give that guy the time of day. I don't give him his views. I look at it on, you know, through a secondhand source. Oh, I mainly the clips. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, I exactly. Like I'll ne- I'll never give the guy his viewership, but I think in one of the clips, where he was talking about how you know everybody should be better in the next game tonight in Game Five, but he never mentioned himself. I feel like Draymond's playing like he's always played, though. Never really back to the basket kind of guy. I mean, just always been kind of like what Shaq says, you know. He's a triple single guy. He plays a lot of minutes that just don't add up to a lot. And they lost a lot of scoring from their bench, too. And then, like, when he's in there with Looney, that's just like two dudes, no back to the basket, no jump shot. I don't know. I feel like it's almost a liability to have both of them in there at the same time. But I also have, I also understand you have to kind of try and offset anthony davis or at least have a big guy on him to at least give yourself a shot i get that but that is a good point though uh having those two on the floor at the same time it's not a good combination no now they've won titles with it though so they have yeah the people you know who are in california that can stay up late and watch all those games all season long they might have a different take on it but that's just that's what i think i think it's a liability or like maybe Andrew Wiggins will be in with them too. Not known for his three-point shooting. He's more drive-to-the-basket kind of guy. But when the paint's clogged like that, it takes away his game too. Another good point. See, yeah. that's why I call you the, the hoops analyst. <laughs> I try. <laughs> but I, I also want to talk about how the narrative has changed. They brought Wiggins in to play defense. He's a vet now. He's been a vet for a little bit. He needed a fresh start. He's played well. And now they're mad that he's not scoring enough. Like you didn't bring him in to score. You have two of the greatest like scores in the game i'm just angry about that because i'm seeing that more and more even well i mean last year he he kind of took on that role i think he surpassed clay as the second option and rightfully so like clay he played well in the playoffs he he's played he's played good he's, he's maintained his role a solid defender good three-point shooter but at the same time he's just not the same after those injuries and andrew wiggins is still fairly young he's in his late 20s but he's still super athletic he's a guy that can get to the room his handles have gotten better his three-point shooting has gotten better so i mean i get why he's become the second option yeah but i feel like his numbers are going to go down when he's on a team like this you know especially when the floor is not spread and they're clogging the paint what's he supposed to do yeah no i agree i agree that's a good point and i said i said this last year i'm saying it again don't Listen to Draymond Green's podcast. Listen to ours. <laughs> Parts House Sports Talk over the Draymond Green show. Always. Just had to throw that out there. Now, before we move on from the NBA segment, I wanted your opinion on this, too. So the NBA just yesterday announced the 2022-2023 all-defensive teams. Now, we already know who won the defensive player of the year. I don't think you were too big of a fan of it. Triple J. No, no, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I went on like a 20-minute rant about it that one day. I was texting you about it a week before the show. Oh, I remember. I remember. 
So here is what the first team, all defensive, all, all defensive first team looks like. Jaron Jackson Jr., of course, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez. Interesting. Evan Mobley. Interesting. Alex Caruso. That's, I mean, that's a surprising list. It's not really, you know, household names from a defensive perspective. Not guys that you're common to seeing. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Second team, Derek White, Draymond Green, OG, OG and Bonobi, Dylan, <laughs> Dylan, I saw that. Dylan Brooks getting some love from the NBA. It's interesting. Bam Adebayo. Some people were upset that Bam Adebayo wasn't the first team. Why? I don't know. He, he, a lot of people love him as a defender, apparently. NBA Twitter does. NBA Twitter the last few years has been, has really convinced themselves that he should have won defensive player of the year as well. I'm going to call them casual. (laughs) I mean, yeah. If he was playing like he did in the bubble or even after that, the season after, maybe I'd be like, okay. But I feel like his plays regressed too because now teams are smart enough to utilize his weaknesses. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Giannis Antetokounmpo not mentioning either one. You a fan of that, or what's your take on that? I don't know. I feel like he's never been like a lockdown defender. I feel it. He, I mean, I mean, he's long, he's lengthy, he plays hard the whole game, but apparently he's pretty highly. He thinks why, of himself highly in that regard. Why wasn't he dinging up Jimmy Butler then? That's a good point. He had a lower back issue. Duh. No, I'm kidding. Duh. He said he's tired of the disrespect, though. I don't know what that, means, but. Yeah, that's what I was hinting at. So that's your 2022-2023 all defensive teams, first and second team. Interesting group. Not really guys you're used to seeing on there. I was surprised to see Derek White on there, but then when you see him in the postseason, it's like, hmm. Oh, yeah, he, he's a good defender. That dude's a hustler. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. You you could definitely tell even last year. That's what, I mean, that's what brought Boston brought him to do. And now this year, his three-point shooting's gotten better. Not really this particular series in the last few games, but he has gotten better since last season as a three-point shooter. We'll get into the MLB. Week 7 power rankings, as I mentioned at the top of the show, looks like this. We have the Tampa Bay Rays at number one once again. Not really a big surprise at this point. They've been still un fuego. The Atlanta Braves at number two. The Baltimore Orioles are number three. Okay, I give them that. Six and four. They're 23 and 13. But this is, of course, as of Monday. We have the Toronto Blue Jays at number four. It's an interesting one as well. They're four and six in their last 10 games and the record 21 and 15. The Los Angeles Dodgers are starting to come out of nowhere. Not really. <laughs> Everyone kind of always expects them to, you know, be within that top five. But now that they're starting to put things together. The Boston Red Sox have been one of the hotter teams in baseball. They are eight and two. They were on a win streak for a little bit there. And now they are twenty one and sixteen. The AL East is just the AL East is a dog fight right now. Minus, you know, Tampa Bay being at the top, but that's a really tight race between the other four teams. The Texas Rangers at number seven. 
the Milwaukee Brewers at number 8, the Houston Astros at number 9, and the Minnesota Twins at number 10. I don't think I agree with those bottom four teams. I think you have to have the... Oh, okay, never mind. That's pretty... uh, That's kind of accurate. I agree with it. I agree with it. Maybe you put in the Yankees. But for the most part, I think that's pretty accurate. Probably flip-flop some teams around in there. I would say Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's been a nice story so far this season, but they are 1-9 in their last 10 games. Oof. Oh, I get why they dropped out of it. Because they were in the power rankings last week. So, I mean, I get why they're not in there anymore. Players of the week from week six, we have... Oh, I wish I could send you this one, Ryan. I wanted to see you pronounce this name. I can barely pronounce your name right half the time. Um, A lot of people have trouble with that. You would be surprised. I get San Antonio, San Diego. Wait, seriously? Oh, dude, yes. They pronounce Bernal wrong? Oh, no, 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 my first name. Well, yeah, that my last name as well, yes. They have a lot of pronunciation troubles. I don't know. I don't get that. It, it, Not with your name, at least. It's pretty funny. And Tino, what do you say? Bernal. Yeah, but what do they call you? Oh, San Diego, San Antonio, Santiago, Santigo. Bro, those letters aren't even in your name. <laughs> I don't know. They they add stuff and they add more. It's I don't know, it's it's a challenge for some. It is. So I'll do I'll, I'll do this one. Boston Red Sox. Masataka Yoshida. I wouldn't pronounce that. Yeah, there you go. He is the AL player of the week. I believe he was actually been receiving some high praise as one of the top free agency signings from this past offseason. And then from the Atlanta Braves on the NL side, you had Sean Murphy win NL Player of the Week. Now, some of the news that has caught my eye, at least, from Week 7. This one, and it's, it's a looming discussion. Or it's, a, it's a looming, I guess, news. That's, it's eventually going to happen. I'll say that. It's inevitable. Shohei Otani will eventually become the highest paid professional athlete in North American sports. His contract is going to surpass Patrick Mahomes, possibly. For now. Yes, for now. I I wanted to talk about that later for the NFL segment, but yes. I didn't get into it. I know that's a juicy topic. Oh, yes, it is. So, a lot of front, front office executives for the MLB, 26 specifically, are predicting that Shohei Otani will receive a historic deal. Biggest deal in MLB history. $524 million over, I believe, 11 years is what I saw. Now, if you can do quick maths, what's that yearly? I'm just kidding. I can't. I'm pulling out my calculator. Like 50 mil a year, a little over? 47.6, but I do, I've seen others that say that he's going to get 53 million per season, but I've also seen that he could become one of the first athletes in North America to earn a hundred million dollars a year. 
$100 million a year. Now that's obviously his salary and endorsements. That is unbelievable. There's a few that have probably done that. You know, probably Tiger Woods, LeBron, maybe Steph Curry's come close, Floyd Mayweather. But it's it's when you get in that ballpark, man, that's that's insane. You're living you're living life well. It almost gives me anxiety thinking about how to keep track of all of that. Like, do you have to hire a team of like financial advisors and accountants and stuff at that point? Oh yeah, for sure. Which bank do you go to? A big one. I don't know. You know, for, so for him, for example, do you have, do you, I don't know, maybe put some money in Los Angeles in a bank or do you put some in Japan from where you're from? I feel like when you have that much money, you got to have that in a couple different banks. I feel like it'd be weird to have it just in one. But also, he probably has a lot in like vests too or um, like properties, stuff like that. That's what I was about to say. Imagine if he invested, you know, into properties or different ventures and things. I mean, it's already generational money, but oh my goodness, that could that could go on past fifty years if he if he manages it right. That's that incredible. Could last forever. Yeah, that's incredible. And speaking of Shohei Otani, so this week he joined Elite Company, and he's already an Elite Company. That guy is one of one, but he surpassed Babe Ruth's career strikeout total. Now, obviously. Pitching today and pitching back then in what the nineteen, the teens. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's obviously much different. But and but Shohei Otani, it the talent is just off the chart. He now has the most pitching strikeouts among players to hit at least one hundred career home runs, according to Fox Sports MLB. And I can't remember the total number for Babe Ruth. I think it was over five hundred strikeouts. I want to say. I wouldn't know at all. I know the candy bar. <laughs> Baby Bruce. Oh. The great Bambino. It's just hard to follow baseball, man. Like, And I know it's like playoffs and with like the NFL getting closer and closer. But like nobody really covers it. Like the more I pay attention, unless it's like an MLB like designated show or whatever you want to call it, where like the top 10 or not top 10, you just really don't see baseball. It's it's a lot of the old time reporters. So when I think of baseball reporting, I think of print. Obviously, print is dying out, unfortunately. But there are, are a lot of beat writers for different affiliations. So Sports Illustrated or Kansas City Star or, you know, just publications like that. But I do actually follow quite a few, you know, Royals beat writers. And there's multiple of them. So, I mean, that's where I get quite a bit of information from. And they, they actually present a lot of interesting tidbits. But, yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't get nearly the, the coverage, the media coverage that the NFL does, of course, or even the NBA. The NFL is just, it's a, another animal. And I haven't been, like, in the NFL too hard, except for the last, like, couple years, just because growing up, it was just always like, well, let's wait for the draft. Maybe next year, but I don't know, man. It, I didn't realize how much better it was when it's always on sports shows too. Like in the season, I feel like all the shows are better when it's NFL related. Well, it's all better when they're talking about Kansas City. Yeah, it is. Now I 
will highlight the Pittsburgh Pirates, even though they've been in a, on a huge slump as of late. So this week, as of, I believe yesterday, there was a complete game shutout for Mitch Keller of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I wish we had him instead of Brad Keller. I don't know if there's a relation there or not, but we got the worst of the Kellers. <laughs> he broke the Pittsburgh Pirates' streak of 370 games without a starting pitcher throwing a complete game. 370 games that the Pirates did not have a complete game. That's a lot. Now, I mean, I don't know how common that is for pitcher, for, or I guess for teams. I can't, I mean, honestly, I can't tell you the last time a Royals pitcher did that or who the Royals pitcher was that did that. So I can't really say too much, but pretty impressive. Another Pirates highlight. They've been a pretty fun team to watch. Not that I've watched them, but there's been some interesting things thrown out there about them this season. Max Freed, pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, went on the 15-day L, 15-day IL. I believe they've kind of ran into a few in- injuries as of late, but they're still leading the NL East by pretty wide margin, seven and a half games. That is the next closest team. And now this one, this was probably the biggest news of the week for the MLB. And it doesn't really exactly have to deal with the teams currently. So, Ryan, do you remember a few weeks ago that we talked about potential, the MLB potentially expanding? Yeah, I wasn't really talking. I was just kind of nodding and saying, yeah, <laughs> I'm such a casual. I just don't want to look stupid. So this is something that I think that is inevitable as well. The So the MLB... As we mentioned, the coverage of them, maybe you're trying to compete with the NFL, even compete with the NBA. It looks like the NBA is inevitably going to expand to possibly 32 teams. I think the same is for the MLB. So we've talked about Vegas being a location. We've talked about Salt Lake City has come up this spring as well, has been thrown in the conversation. Nashville has been thrown in the conversation. Well, now there's another potential city and this one kind of makes sense a little bit given that there's already a a professional baseball team in this state orlando the city of orlando had there's been renderings now of a potential 1.7 billion dollar stadium i think that would be one of the most expensive stadiums today or you know modern day next to Globe Life Stadium in Texas and Arlington. The picture of it, I mean, if I could show you, it it looks pretty incredible. It doesn't even look like a stadium. It looks like a campus almost. Not like a college campus, but it's it's hard to even describe. The stadium itself, it, it looked like it would be a dome, and then there's like a tunnel that fans would walk to to get to the stadium. But I was talking with Hector off the show. It makes sense because think of what's around Orlando. So many different tourist attractions. It's already a vacation destination. It just makes too much sense. Yeah, the nightlife too. The nightlife too. I mean, it's everything is there. Orlando doesn't have anything besides the magic. And really, are you going to watch the magic? I mean, I know Paulo Bancaro's on the court, but they haven't been good since, what, 2009? 
probably they started off like well the first quarter of the season weren't they in some of the power rankings but then injuries and just the schedule picking up they just don't have still don't have the talent to compete very long they do this yeah but still yeah the uh, orlando what are the teams there i think they might have a hockey team not a, not an nhl team but maybe a minor league they have soccer i believe professional soccer is there now but other than that i mean i think it would be good for the city of orlando you get was it six months of basketball and then you get another the same will be season from late March to if you make the postseason, but technically late March to mid September or late September. So another six months of sports. So basically a whole year nonstop sports. I think that's good for a city. Think about the generated revenue as well. I know how like the NFL work or the NBA worked when they had their expansion. How would it work in the MLB? Or how do you think it would work? So if they go to 32 teams, which would make the most sense, they would probably split it up into, instead of the MLB having three divisions per league, I think you have to go to four divisions. Basically the same model that the NFL has in place. Because I think at one point the NFL actually had a similar model to the MLB right now, where you have five teams per division. How how do you split those teams up? Like the current teams? I don't I don't know. That'd be interesting. Cause I think, for example, for the NFL, you of course have, you know, the West Division, North Division, South Division, and East Division. So I mean maybe you do the same thing if you're the MLB. Or maybe you just name it different. That's interesting though. More and more cities are starting to pop up. I think that one's pretty strong candidate i'd like them in nashville but i think that there also needs to be a few more west coast teams so maybe salt lake city but given the weather factor i just can't see it so maybe nashville and orlando i think that those are pretty strong candidates unless vegas gets it but i think the a's going there is for sure thing well nashville had the biggest attendance for the draft man you never know maybe they're on to something yeah wink wink yeah 600,000. <laughs> I don't believe it. Things, that's like the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Dang. You're going to make somebody mad for that. Hey, man. They're about to go and rebuild modes. Okay. Now, before we wrap up the MLB, they, today, or no, yesterday, MLB Twitter page actually posted early MVP rankings for the AL and the NL. Now, some of you may agree with it. Some of, may, some of you may disagree with it. I couldn't tell you if these guys are deserving right now on March 10th or May 10th. I couldn't tell you whether they're deserving of it right now because I really don't know all their numbers. I know they're notable players, but whether they should be MVP frontrunners, I couldn't tell you. But this is how the AL looks. Shohei Otani, no surprise, is up there. I think he, I think he definitely gets it. I think he's the for sure front runner for it. He he was neck and neck with Aaron Judge last year, but Aaron Judge just sixty three home runs. I mean, that's tough to trump him. You know what I mean? 
Wander Franco of the Tampa Bay Rays at number two. Matt Chapman is having a really good season with the Blue Jays. I have seen his batting average. It is good. Randy Arozarena, the star of the WBC for Team Mexico. He's had a pretty good season for the Tampa Bay Rays as well. He's at number four. And then Mike Trout. No surprise, always in the MVP conversation for the AL. Him and Shohei Otani, two angels once again. But a tradition like no other with those guys. Two MVP candidates and they still can't win. It's tough. Pain. NL side of things. Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Atlanta Braves leading the pack. Scott Murphy of the Atlanta Braves falling right behind him. Luis Arias of the Miami Marlins. His numbers are crazy. He's hitting over 400 right now. For context, that's just insane. No one hits for 400. Now, granted, it's still pretty early in the season. I believe it's a quarter of the way through now. But still, to be hitting 400 through over, I'm pretty sure he's had at least over 120 plate appearances. That's just unbelievable. He's seeing the ball like, he's seeing the baseball like it's a volleyball right now. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Max Muncy of the Dodgers, I believe he's one of the league leaders in home runs. So he's at number four. And then Mookie Betts at number five. I think Mookie Betts numbers, though, the batting average wise, at least, I don't think it screams MVP candidate. I could be wrong, though. Like I said, I don't know all these guys. Numbers off the top of my head. I'd have to really look into it. But that's that's an early look. Now, since they got brought up, actually, I want to. I was curious. This just popped in my head. We can take a look at the odds for the MVP. For while you're looking that up, can I ask because I'm a casual and some of the other people might be? How does MLB voting work in the MLB? Oh, you. you I mean, you have writers and different people in the media that have voting credentials so it's it's pretty similar to the mvp voting for nba and nfl i imagine do fans have any like saying it at all or uh, any like voting stuff no I so it's believe. just people who actually know the game yeah oh that's cool i like that but the messed up thing about it is some of those people are kind of haters all the boomers <laughs> I wasn't gonna say, but yeah, the the old I'll time. Say I doubt any boomers are listening. The baseball purists, I will say, the you know the older crowd. Boomers. Yeah. So, for example, say if Fernando Tatis was eventually became an MVP candidate and probably would be considered a front runner, he probably wouldn't get the necessary votes because, you know, he did he got found guilty of doing PEDs. That's a bad one. Yeah. So the league MVP, National League, yes, Ronald Acuna Jr. is the odds-on favorite right now, according to FanDuel. Pete Alonso at number two. And now, yeah, Tatis enters the race on FanDuel. FanDuel is kind of, you know, a little bit risky. It's a little bit different from the MLB, so I don't know if you necessarily trust it. American League, Shohei Otani, Mike Trout are the two leaders. Shohei Otani... Pretty significant favorite at plus 105. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at plus 1,200 over Wander Franco at plus 114. Or not 114, but 1,400, sorry. So that's how that looks. 
I was interested. I wanted to see how that looked at. Now we'll get into the NFL. The schedule release, as I've alluded to earlier at the top of the show, is coming out tomorrow. This has become a, another holiday for the NFL season, essentially. There's been a few changes. This has been news throughout the offseason. The whole dilemma, or not, yeah, I guess it's a dilemma with Thursday night games that are now going to be able to be flexed. That was a big one. I believe me and you talked about that a few episodes back. That A lot of players and a lot of fans weren't too happy about it. I think that's a huge money grab. So those, that would be the Amazon game, right? Mm-hmm. So how would it really work? Like how early in the week are they able to flex it? Or does it have to be? That's one thing I still didn't understand. I don't think anybody does. Oh. I just want to make sure I wasn't the only one. No, I think it's unfair to the players because how are you going to tell somebody? So say if you finish your Sunday game, it it would have to be a team that plays on Sunday and then you prepare for the next three days for Thursday night football. It would have to be that way, I imagine. It, it's, and I get why. And someone on sports radio, 16 Sports Radio, made a pretty good point. They said that, you know, Amazon obviously became a partner with the NFL last year. They paid a lot of money to be, take over Thursday night football. Think about how the NFL values ESPN and CBS and Fox with, you know, really good matchups for Sunday night football, or even NBC, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and even the later games on a Sunday for Fox and for CBS. The NFL, you know, values things like that. They haven't really made Thursday night football priority from a matchup perspective. I can't even remember a notable Thursday night game from last season. You know, that's kind of what the point that this radio host made. Maybe Amazon. Amazon, even though they just became partners, if if the NFL continued to do that to them, I can't imagine that partnership would last that long. So in a response, you know, Amazon is probably putting a bug in the NFL's ear saying, hey, we want more competitive games because we want more money. We're paying you guys a bunch of money. We want to make money too. Yeah, you would think that having good games on Amazon, like quality games, I don't know exactly know how it would work with streaming in other countries. I know like Netflix, for instance, like in different countries, they have different like shows, like some shows will be in the U.S., but not in like the other bigger countries. So if the other country, like Germany, for instance, like the games that are there, like you'd think they'd want better games on Amazon so those like international fans could get more involved, get a larger fan base. Like do something for those fans too. No, I agree. So the, that was one of the biggest changes this off season. In the course, the Black Friday game will be the first time ever. And then I, I guess this is kind of new too. So games don't necessarily, according to Adam Schefter, games don't necessarily belong to networks anymore. All games are free agents. So if there's a high profile matchup, say uh, the 12 o'clock slot on CBS, that could get potentially moved to a different station. That's interesting. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. And then not all games are guaranteed to have a prime, or not all teams are guaranteed to have a prime time spot. 
I think last year I mentioned that the Detroit Lions didn't have any primetime games when the schedule released, but they did end up getting the last Sunday night football game of the season. That kind of, and it, it makes sense because you don't want to see the Houston Texans or the Carolina Panthers in a primetime game, but that, that kind of stinks for, you know, those franchises. I get why, but it's a little bit of a downer for them. Now, I've mentioned the Black Friday game a few times now. First time ever. It's going to be interesting. I wonder how the players will respond after Thanksgiving. Having to go play, you know what I mean? Think about, for me at least, I'm usually tired. I'm exhausted because I ate so much. I'm still tired. You're probably still in a food coma if you're traveling. Well, you probably aren't traveling because you have to be with the team and everything. But I wonder how the players will respond. Or how the viewership will be. Yeah, that would be a good one too. Because people traveling to and from wherever they went to Thanksgiving, plus like with the Black Friday stuff and all the holiday stuff ramping up. I'm curious to see how it does. I hope it does good. I mean, I know I'll be watching. That's a good point, the viewership. And I believe that's usually a day or a night that college football is on. Yeah, that is weird. How many games are they going to have on Black Friday? College football or NFL? NFL. Just one. That's weird. So drum roll, please. No, I'm just kidding. The Jets and the Dolphins draw the first ever Black Friday game. Can that game be flexed too? Because uh, something tells know, me we might that might need to be flexed soon. You know what? We'll find out. It, it it it's a possibility. I hope so. It's a possibility. You get Aaron arrogant Rodgers, first year with the Jets, playing against Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins. Tyreek Hill's been talking a lot too this off season. The Miami Talkers. Yeah, the Miami Talkers. Christmas, the Christmas special, which is actually Monday Night Football. Not a fan of this matchup. This is not a Christmas gift. This is like giving coal on Christmas. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to play the New York Giants on Monday Night Football on Christmas. Now, if you watched those games last year, it was not competitive. One game may have been semi-competitive. But the other two, I mean, if you watched, what was it, the divisional round game? For the Eagles and the Giants. The Giants got smoked. It's kind of upsetting. It is upsetting. I was upset when I saw it. Unless those teams surprise us and the Eagles are able to be good or great and then the Giants are able to remain competitive. Well, the Giants would have to up their play in order to match the Eagles, but... The Eagles might have that Super Bowl hangover, though. It might end up being competitive. They could. I doubt it. They could. I'm trying to remain positive, though. I've been kind of a negative Nelly so far about it. I, w- <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm not very optimistic on that matchup. Outside of Eagles fans and Giants fans, who's excited for that, though? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I hope they can flex those games. And so to go along with the Black Friday game, the Christmas game, the international games were announced. So week four, you have the Falcons and Jaguars in London. Why not send the best? 
Why send? That's like sending the Royals somewhere to represent the MLB. That is like funny. what? Yeah. The Falcons. They usually do send the best MLB teams ah. to go play, like in London, or even the the Mexico series that we just had with the Padres. At least it's a name brand or a, a team with a big brand. The Jaguars are on the come up. The I ja- don't think so. The Jag, I think they are. The Jaguars, they're t- essentially London's, you know, they're, uh, ja- that's Jacksonville's second home. It's, it's become that. I think that their owner, he's had a lot of say and potentially, I don't know, maybe even an expansion team over there. I doubt that it happens, but the Jaguars have been a team that's played in London quite a bit over the last, you know, 10 years. Week five following week four. The Jaguars are again against the Buffalo Bills. Now, I don't know where this one is. This is according to... I think the Jags had two straight in London. Yeah. What, Why do they get two straight? Tottenham? Is that in England? I can't even tell you where all the 50 states are if they were blank, so I definitely can't tell you that. Just to be honest. Do do we do? Let's do a quick Google search on this one. Either that, or we phone a friend. We need to get Cisco in here and have him googling stuff for us. Yeah, I'd be pretty impressed if he could. Oh, it's in Canada, so it's essentially a home game for Buffalo. I'm trying to look up. Why not just play in Toronto? That's weird. Because Buffalo is not far from Toronto. It's interesting. Huh. So the Jaguars get two international games back to back. That's interesting. Week six, the Baltimore Ravens and the Titans will also play in Tottenham. Maybe that's a location for a CFL team. That seems weird. Yeah. Did you look it up? No. It's, it looked like it's significantly away from Toronto too like a good 30 40 minutes away from Toronto that's interesting I did not know that and then for the first time I I believe first time ever the NFL is going to Frankfurt Germany I thought it was supposed to be in Munich but I guess it's in Frankfurt where fun fact my mom was born where was she born Frankfurt Germany that's wild I didn't know that my grandpa he was in it was when he was in Vietnam so they were stationed over there. Dang. Yeah, pretty cool. Shout out to him for serving the country. Salute. Week nine, the Miami Talkers are going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of speculation on this matchup for the Chiefs. Everyone knew that Kansas City was going there this year. A lot of people thought it was going to be Chicago, myself included. The media made it seem that way. You get Kansas City, the brand, of course, reigning Super Bowl champs. But then you also get the market of Chicago. So it just made sense. Chicago should be an improving team, but I don't think it's, that's not a big time matchup that you're looking, or that you're expecting. Like I, like I said, the Chicago's market, it will draw a crowd. They but, always show up. But the Miami Dolphins is the team that gets selected, which is pretty funny. So I mentioned Tyreek Hill. He's been talking a lot. He said he was going to score an, score an arrowhead. I think it's funny that he doesn't get that chance. 
Although, I would have liked to see the crowd boo him. You gotta give him applause, too. I mean... Why, it sounds like a lot of regret on his part. Oh, it does. Because he's saying some names I don't even know if we can say on the podcast. What he called the Chiefs. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yep. That is true. Look it up. Sounds like regret to me. It it does. It seems a little bit of jealousy. The departure was kind of nice. Like, it was a win for everybody. You helped us win a Super Bowl. We helped you win a Super Bowl. I keep saying we, but the Chiefs, you know. And then, like, everything was cool. Now you leave, and, like, when he was on uh, Shannon's podcast, and then, like, the stuff he was saying and the stuff he said in, like, small interviews, and then, like, saying two is the most accurate quarterback that's ever thrown to him, and what he called the Chiefs. Like, that's just corny. Yeah, it is corny. You're a very rich man. Why are you still worried about your ex? Yeah, you wanted more money. We couldn't pay you that money, so you wanted out. You got out. We let you go to a team you wanted to, so what's the big problem? Now, this next matchup, Week 10, this could have potential to be... It's not a, it's not a marquee matchup by any means, but I think these two teams will be competitive. The Colts and the Patriots will also play in Frankfurt. Anthony Richardson, new look Colts versus the always solid New England Patriots. Not a fan? Not really. I mean, like I said, it's it's no marquee matchup by any means. It's not really anything to get excited about. I still don't understand why the NFL doesn't send their stars. We're like the better teams. I know it's kind of hard because you can be a Super Bowl team one year, bring back, you know, relatively the same team and not even be a playoff team. I know the NFL is crazy and it's hard to schedule those, I'm sure. I can barely keep track of my work schedule. So, But why would you send teams like that who might be good when you could send teams who you at least have a higher probability of being good or like playoff locks or near playoff locks? You know? I don't know. Maybe... The only argument I have, maybe you say that for the for at home in the United States. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's why. Could be. I just realized I didn't do the Royals update, so we're gonna pause, pump the brakes on the NFL schedule release. It was getting good. I know. I'm fired up. I do apologize. It'll be quick. Royals offense has started clicking a little bit, and since last week, the start of May, they've been one of the better teams offensively i believe they were amongst the league leaders or amongst yeah league leaders and home runs as a team i think with 14 they scored they've been hovering around six to seven runs per game so a huge improvements from april ryan yarborough got smacked in the face by a ball on Oof, sunday that was scary that was scary. whenever i get a bleacher report like that i'm watching that video on twitter immediately i just got to see Oh, it, it was, it looks scary. That's probably the biggest fear of a pitcher, any anybody at any level. That's my fear, and I don't even play baseball. So thankfully, he is okay. I believe he was released from the hospital. No surgery needed. The Royals also, I believe they made a trade this week. They had an acquisition. They So they acquired right-handed pitcher James McArthur. It could be relief pitcher. I think right-handed pitcher. James McArthur from the Philadelphia Phillies. In exchange for minor league outfielder Junior Marin, Marin, and cash considerations. Now to make the uh, to make room for the forty man roster, Framil Reyes was designated for assignment. So you're basically trimming the fat. Framil Reyes was not a good player for us. 
So as someone who actually knows baseball, unlike me, what is that trade? Do you think that's a significant trade? Does it actually change anything? No. In your eyes? Or is it just kind of like a... It is not a needle mover by any means. It's just another arm you get into your farm system. Maybe you get the chance to develop him. Competition's always good. So, I mean, this pitching staff that we have right now is still fairly young. A lot of unproven prospects. So, I mean, just get as many compet- competitive arms in there as possible. See what you got. That's what this year is all about is, you know, evaluation. That's what it's been dubbed. It's been dubbed the evaluation year. So the Royals are 10 and, tw- 10 and 27, 4 and 6 in their last 10 games. A little bit of improvement. I did say last week that they had a good opportunity to kind of gain ground or at least to gain a little bit of confidence playing against the Oakland Athletics and the Chicago White Sox. They, I mean, they played pretty decent. I'll leave it at that with the Royals. Tune in for episode 52 for another Royals. Shout out Lil Kane and his retirement thing. That was cool. I forgot about that, yeah. Lorenzo Kane, that was on Saturday. That is retirement party, I guess you could say, or ceremony. It was cool. Okay, back to the schedule release. Go. Sorry, had had a break in on that. So the Chiefs schedule, we found out that we won't be opening against the Cincinnati Bengals. Kind of, I'm I'm a little disappointed. I wanted that matchup to open the season. Me too. I don't want to wait months for that. So that's going to be the talk all season long. And it'll be the same thing as it's been the last two years. We played the Bengals late in the season. It's dubbed. The biggest matchup of the year. Winner of this game goes to the Super Bowl. Both teams will probably be representing the AFC in the AFC Championship game. Whoever wins has the edge. It's the last game of the season, right? Yes. So what happens if one of those teams already has the one seed locked up? Or at least they have their conference locked up? It's a fair point. Like, Yeah, I know with a matchup like that, you don't want to rest everybody. But why not have that a couple games into the season? I mean, I'm sure there's factors in it that we don't know about, like with the scheduling conflicts. And I know a lot of the like stadiums or arenas, or whatever, have also do like concerts and stuff throughout the year and in different cities. But that's a game I wanted though for oh, season opener, kicking off the NFL season in Arrowhead, Super Bowl ceremony against the team that you beat, the team you had to get over that hump. Right? That'd be next level petty. Yeah. I say do it. Man, I wish they would have. So New Year's Eve, it'll be a, what is New Year's Eve this year? Take a look at the calendar real quick. I work. Do you really? Yeah, I mean, I know that's like seven months away, but. So it looks like it'll probably be a Sunday night game. I imagine. Or actually, I think it, I think I saw something that it was potentially a Sunday afternoon game. So that was one of the marquee matchups that was released today. And then, of course, the Chiefs against the Dolphins in Germany. So now, since we know it's not the Dolphins, and we know that it's not the Bengals who we're going to open up the season against, who do you think it is? We only have a few more options. We have the Broncos, the Chargers, the Raiders. I don't think it's any of those teams. No one wants to see that. Buffalo could be. Buffalo opened the season last year against the Rams. Would make for good television. 
Chicago, not likely. Detroit, not likely either. And then that all that's left is Philadelphia. Super Bowl rematch? Opening the first game of the NFL season? I don't know. That sounds kind of underwhelming, like all of those options. It should have been Cincinnati. It would have been cool. Like the rivalry is there. They, they're at a point where both teams just don't like each other. The cities don't like each other. It's at Arrowhead, right? Yeah. Or at Burrowhead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. But I wish it was earlier, though. But I don't think it can be Philly. So it was also reported today. Now, I don't know how true this is. It was on Facebook. Donna Kelsey supposedly leaked that the Chiefs were going to play the Eagles week two. So basically, if that is true, Detroit or a division rival? I think it has to be either Buffalo or Philly for week one. It has to be one of those two teams. You'd think so. That's, that's the, big, the big game. That's what, that's what the people want to see. That's what would draw viewership. One of those two matchups. You're not tuning in to watch us play the Broncos. Chargers would be a solid matchup, but that's usually a Thursday night game or a Sunday night game, you know, a few weeks after the first week. The Raiders, come on. Detroit, yeah, they're an up-and-coming team, but that's not one you want to, that's not for the NFL, the NFL season opener. The NFL doesn't want that. Chicago, again, I mentioned Chicago's market, another young and up and coming team, but still they have a far way to go. It should have been Cincinnati. It has to either now, it has to either be Buffalo or Philly. I don't know what they could do. I want Philly. I want the smoke now. Both teams basically return quite a bit of the players that played in the Super Bowl. Let's run it back. Let's run it back. I'm here for it. I know they're still upset. Let's run it back. I want to see it. I hope we find that out tomorrow. That's when we'll find out. Now, we kind of alluded to it during the MLB segment when we were talking about the Shohei Otani contract. So now, yesterday, we find out that with all these crazy quarterback contracts, Lamar Jackson being the latest, I feel like this was something that was kind of on the back burner, but it was going to eventually happen. Because nobody, or at least no quarterback, should be paid higher than Patrick Mahomes. Not a single one of them. He's in a league of his own. It was reported by Dove Kleiman on Twitter. He covers NFL news and transactions. It was reported that the Chiefs are expected to redo Patrick's, Patrick Mahomes' contract to make him the highest paid player in the NFL history again. Now, this was per Mike Florio. But then again, Mike Florio has been pushing this narrative all offseason with all these quarterback contracts that have come and gone. He's been really kind of. He's been basically being petty and mad at the Kansas City Chiefs front office, mad at Brett Veach for 
giving Patrick Mahomes that contract in 2020. So it was a 10-year, $450 million deal in 2020 with the potential of incentives to reach $500 million. Now, of course, that's not football money. That's baseball money. So I, he, he's basically advocating that, that Patrick Mahomes should sign a new deal because that basically screwed all the other front offices over. But he's produced. He's worth that. Three Super Bowls in four years or five years, whatever it is. Why not? Do, how long was our Super Bowl drought or even a like, playoff win drought before Mahomes? How do you not pay him that much money? No, like, scandals off the field or anything. Stand-up guy. He's always in the city doing cool stuff, like, with the Royals stuff. And the, what's the women's team name? The Current. Casey Current. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do everything you could to keep somebody like that? I agree. Right now, he's the seventh in average salary per year with $45 million a season. It's it's unbelievable how quickly the quarterback market has changed in just three short years. Now, as I mentioned, I think he should be the highest paid quarterback. I I hope from his perspective, though, that he knows, despite the fact that he's not the highest paid quarterback, he doesn't need to be the highest paid quarterback. You have with incentives the potential to meet or to potential to reach five hundred million dollars at the end of your career. And that's not even counting the list of endorsements he has. He doesn't even need the money for real. Well, didn't he even have the... I know he's alluded to it before, said stuff, but wasn't it... Wasn't it this week or last weekend he even said, like, rings live forever, but the money doesn't? I don't think he has that fragile of an ego. He lets his play do the talking for him. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't want to be the most... the highest paid. Again, I think it's more or less Mike Florio... He's talked about it several times this offseason. I think it's just him continuing to push that narrative that, you know, because the Chiefs made Patrick gave Patrick Mahomes that, you know, at the time outrageous contract, that he needs to be the highest paid once again. Because technically he's underpaid compared to these other quarterbacks. I don't care. I think that, again, like what you said, his play speaks for itself. He may not be the highest paid quarterback. Everyone knows who the best quarterback is, though. 100%. As little or as much as he wants, I feel like you got to make it work. I think Mike Florio needs to stop pocket watching. For for real. I don't understand why people hate the Chiefs so much. And Patrick, he says all the right stuff. He does all the right stuff. He's even at major like sporting events, too, outside of his sport. Oh, he had a bring week. more exposure to Kansas and just everything. He had a week. Think about that. Think about the Kansas City Chiefs. We've never had a player like that. This dude, the first week of May, he had a hell of a week to start May. Met Gala, Kentucky Derby, Miami Grand Prix, all in the same week. I mean. I don't know who picks out his clothes. They're not as good as Noel, but dude, that dude shows up to everything. Always just. That dude's an icon. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> At this point, he is. At this point, he is. Now, before we wrap up the NFL segment and move on to the last part of the show, let's talk some college hoops. So I, I mentioned your future as a sports better in Missouri, and really just everybody as a whole in Missouri. So this was reported from Alex Gold of 610 Sports Radio. This week is the final week in Missouri legislature. In- the Missouri legislature 
is a reminder of all the state or so this this is the final week that it, it could be passed by Missouri legislation. If they don't pass, if the Missouri House doesn't pass sports wagering, the bill this week, it's on the back burner again until 2024. Which is disappointing because we talked about it a few episodes ago. The NFL is going through with having on-site sports books at stadiums. So I think that this is obviously something that needs to get done. Yeah, not to mention all the revenue it brings. Like, why not? If they if it doesn't pass this week, and you have to wait till next year, that's millions of dollars the state of Missouri is losing out on, and you're going to lose it to your your bordering states. So right now, Iowa has it legal, Kansas has it legal, Arkansas has it legal, and Illinois. They're surrounded by four states that have sports wagering legal I think it's a no-brainer you already have recreational marijuana legal and decriminalized and why not bring in as much revenue to the state as you can like imagine what that could do like we've seen the numbers in all these other states they act like it was going to be this bad thing people are going to do it anyway yeah you might as well like have some money come back to the state for it and you could use it for much needed resources schools, schools roads buildings Everything else. Yeah, infrastructure. Clean up the homeless in certain areas. Like, it could benefit so many things. I don't understand the argument against it. You need to talk to Mike Parsons. The boomer is in control of that, though. <laughs> yeah, Missouri. Missouri's a backward state. I'll say that. But we're going to talk some Kansas. How about that? Before we move on, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it next week or right now, but the all-NBA teams just dropped during the last segment. Ooh. Did you want me to read those off to you or save it for next week? Breaking news alert. Let's hit it. All right. So first team, Shy, Luca, Embiid, Tatum, Greek Freak. Shy, dang. I like it. I like it. He, he earned it. it. He earned it. So second team, Curry, Mitchell, Butler, Jokic, Brown. I feel like I don't have a problem with any of that. No, Third that's, team. That's Jokic, though, not in the first team. I mean, who's he going to replace? He can't replace the MVP. That'd be weird. Wait, wait, wait. Nikolai Jokic isn't first team? Or he is first team? No, he's second team. Nikolai Jokic, the MVP, is second team. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. He's not the MVP. Yeah. Jojo. I think that's why Embiid got it over him, because he got the MVP. Okay, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, I was, I've, I'm living in the past. He's not MVP anymore. That's all good. Then third team, D'Lil, De'Aaron Fox, LeBron, Julius Randle, and DeMontis Sabonis. Sabonis earned it. Yeah, I don't know, but Julius Randle? Was he an all-star this year? Yeah, he was. I don't know what he is, but oof. The last one's interesting. What do you, how do you feel about that? What, first, second, or third? All of them. Pretty accurate? I, the only one that sticks out is the Julius Randle thing. I mean, obviously, people are going to argue Jokic probably should have been first team, but who are you going to take off? Yeah can't take off shy they were projected with what 23 games something like that at least i mean then he played really well this year i don't know that whole luca thing i mean he still put up numbers even though they didn't really meet expectations or anything empty stats maybe that's who they take out we could talk about that next week though who got snubbed who 
who belongs over the other. That is interesting, though. That was breaking news during the show. Giannis was the only unanimous first-team selection. Now, that's interesting. How do you not have the MVP as a unanimous? But then again, people are going to probably vote Jokic to be a first-team selection. Now, I mentioned Kansas. Kansas Jayhawks, more specifically, in the college hoops segment. It's been a while. Specifically since March. March 31st, I want to say. Yeah. Kansas Jayhawks made news, and this was this is kind of late news, but more news came out about it. The Jayhawks basketball team landed Hunter Dickinson. Is that his first name right? Mm-hmm. From Michigan. Biggest name in the transfer portal. Coming to Lawrence. This new this team's looking pretty stacked. Yeah, they are. That's my only concern about this team is being too stacked. Yeah. You play everybody. How I does, love the pickup though. How does Bill manage, you know, everyone's minutes? What's the best lineup with the most chemistry? I was gonna ask you about that because I have my obviously I'm not a Hall of Fame coach, so I, my opinion doesn't mean anything, but what I think it could be, or at least one of the lineups might be, but I was gonna ask you yours too. I couldn't even tell you all the players on the roster right now. I can't pronounce half their names, but I can pronounce their last names. Give us your lineup. Okay, so I think Harris at the one, obviously. I don't think that's going to change no matter who you bring in. Bill loves his upperclassmen. Timberlake at the two or the three, I don't think that's going to change. He's a shooter. I don't think KJ is going to change at all. I think he's definitely going to be at the four. Dickinson is definitely going to be at the five. So I think... I honestly think those four are almost a lock instead in some of those new guys. I have Jackson as my three. I, I, I think we're going to play more of like the traditional Bill Self ball, like pick and roll, stuff like that, get Hunter Dickinson involved early as long as Too he doesn't bigs. get in foul trouble. Yeah, I think so, because I don't think Bill is ever going to move KJ to the bench like that. I mean, I, it all depends on matchups and stuff. I get that. But then like I know Marcus Adams, I'm like, well, you know, 6'8", small forward. We already have KJ in, and I mean, I think Jackson definitely going to, but Marcus Adams here in the MVP in the Balls Life All-American game. Scored 44, hit eight three-pointers. I know it's like a, I don't know how, I don't know. I watched the highlights and saw everyone who was in that game. I know it's just like a All-American Balls Life. It's kind of off-brand, kind of name-brand, so I don't. Yeah, All-American in quotation marks. Yeah, but I mean, he's a hooper. There were some big names in that too, but I think Harris, KJ, Dickinson, you're not going to bring in Timberlake with his last year of eligibility and like have him on the bench. I want to say he's definitely locked for a starter too. We know Dewan's going to start. We know, I mean, unless they want to save, I don't think he's going to take KJ out of the starting lineup. I think he's, unless he's going to be the like backup five in case Dickinson gets into foul trouble, maybe you don't want to play KJ and him together. But then KJ would be able to play more towards his strength too if he's in the game at the same time as Dickinson. You don't think the but, kid from Texas makes his way into the starting lineup? No. I don't know. Bill loves upperclassmen, too. And he can really, like... I think I'm, he's a, he's a sophomore, though. Yeah, he's a, a point guard, shooting guard, whatever you call it. I don't know. Bill knows more than us. I just think... I don't know. With Timberlake, I, I guess it all just depends. Like, we still got to get through boot camp. We got to get through the off season and all that stuff, but... It'll be interesting. I'm excited. Yeah, I guess it just been, you also never know. Some of those small dudes coming in, maybe if they, I, I don't know. Marcus Adams is the only one that I could see. But then again, you also have to have scoring on the bench. It's almost one of those teams where I think we're only bringing back three players. 
I was like, where do you put everybody? It was a lot of turnover. I believe seven transfers that left the Jayhawks program. Jayhawks are coming, though. I mean, they're a favorite every year, but this year's team, the talent that's coming in, I've never seen this many transfers. That's incredible. Bill Self doesn't usually do that, so I'm I'm excited to see how he handles the lineups. We have the best point guard in the country, best shooter in the country, the best big in the country. I think the second best transfer class, or however they phrase that, and then like the sixth best high school class. That's gonna be crazy. It's a recipe for an added run. But then like a Marco Jackson, like is he gonna be in the starting lineup with Harris? I mean, he's a five-star, like, point guard, shooting guard, whatever, but he's a five-star. Like, is he going to start? I just don't know how Bill's going to do it. I know he's going to find the best way, but wild. It's going to be fun. Now, for Dickinson, news broke, I believe it was yesterday or today, I want to say yesterday, about his reasoning for leaving Michigan. And it came down to NIL money. We've seen NIL play a huge role and a lot of these kids' decisions, not even just basketball, but football and other sports in college as well. It, it's, it's unreal, the money that these kids are getting. And I'm kind of a fan of it, but I think for other programs, it kind of hurts them. But the, these kids went so long without getting a, a penny. Legally. Yeah, legally. <laughs> I mean, look at all the big team or big programs that have gotten in trouble for it. Final Fours or... You know, stuff stripped away, wins, conference stuff because of it. We all know it's been happening for a long time, but now they're able to do it legally and people are mad about it. Like if that was your kid, you'd want him to get his bread too. He's already getting his college education, but they're making billions off your child. Why can't he get money too? Absolutely. They can get injured at any time. And he had a good comeback. He said, for the people that were upset, I think he has his own podcast as well. He said that, so at your job right now that you're at, if another job offered you 10000 more, you're going to turn that down? I'd text my manager right now. Yeah. No question. Yeah. How can you be mad at somebody? I don't like how everyone supports coaches. Or usually, like, I know maybe right when it happens the where they're currently coaching. Like, these small schools get into the tournament, and everyone knows it's like a starting job for them to put themselves in a position to coach like a big D1 school compared to where they were at. Or to, like, you know, like a resume builder. Why can't players do the same? I don't understand that. I completely agree. And with him, for him specifically, he's one of the bigger names in college basketball this season. He's probably not going to make it in the NBA. So why not get your money while you can and get a degree at the same time? Yeah, I don't see why not. Makes perfect sense. I don't fault him. I mean, you're a big, you're averaging, what, 18 and 9 last season? team didn't even make the tournament you want a fresh start you know there was a conversation with the Michigan staff he was there three years I'm sure he talked to somebody how can I get more money oh it goes to the highest bidder but also we we always get big talent like he wants to go somewhere where he also gets the most exposure historic and and you're a big man what does any great big man need to succeed usually a great point guard you also and you also know oh one of the best shooters in the country too and I have KJ Adams too. That's going to stretch the floor everywhere. You're not going to be able to double him. Maybe in the low post, but that's going to leave a shooter open. I mean, I know Dwan's not a shooter, but it's going to leave a. Because then you're just going to swing the ball. You're going to find a shooter. I mean, I feel like it's also 
just the best place for him. I might be a little biased, but I mean, why wouldn't you want to be in a place where you're going to get, you know, I'm not too, yeah, I'm not too familiar with how Ann Arbor is, but Lawrence is a nice town. Yeah. It's a college town. One of the best party towns in the country. I mean, is it his last, well, he technically has two years of eligibility, but this is probably his last year in college, but I don't understand why there's so much hate towards it. I mean, I, I get it from a Michigan fan standpoint, but then again, like, it would all change if it was your talent and you were being underpaid because that's what the game is now. You don't feel like players leave professional teams all the time because they don't feel compensated for their talent. So how are you going to be mad at him for it? Yeah. I mean, I, w- I, I do get the frustration because if it was a KU player, a big name KU player that's been here for three or four years and then they wanted to, you know, go get the NIL money at another university, I would be a little upset, but you can't fault the kids. No, I'm not faulting him at all. So that it was interesting. That's been a hot topic in college sports right now is NIL. And speaking of NIL, LeBron James Jr. Uh-oh. Officially committed to the University of Southern California over the weekend. One of the, And it's so crazy because I, although he was a McDonald's All-American, I wouldn't say he's one of the biggest, you know, high school prospects in the last five five to ten years you know what i mean he's not a five-star recruit a lot of people think that he's you know where he's at because of his dad's name that's got to add something to it because his numbers don't stick out as crazy and it it does he he does have good film mm-hmm. i mean he is a good player but it's i'd say it's one of the biggest college commitments in quite a while yeah, the video was cool. I will say that. I didn't see that. Yeah, you should look at his social. You could probably just find it on Twitter too now and YouTube and stuff, but it was a pretty cool announcement video. I know it was special for LeBron. He he said that it was, to his knowledge, the first person in the James family to go to college. Now that's special, man. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is. That is truly special. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for that family. Mm-hmm. I hope, I hope Brownie succeeds. I hope he does too. We'll find out soon. Now the NIL money for him, he could have one of the highest NIL earnings ever since it's became legal. $5.3 million. As a freshman in college, $5.3 million. I don't know, just from endorsements and then like the phase stuff and all the other stuff he does, I don't think money's that big of a deal for him. No, it isn't. Not, Not to mention, you know, what his dad's worth. Well, so he already has a deal with Nike. He had to deal with Nike in high school. Now, obviously, that's through LeBron, but still. I think he signed with FaZe in 2016. He did, and uh, Beats by Dre. So mm-hmm. he, he's, he's going to be set for life, aside from his dad's money, too. So I'm rooting for him. I really do. I, I hope people don't hate on him. USC is going to be a circus this year, though. Dennis Rodman's son transferred there today. He did, and then you also have... K- Reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams in football. So USC is going to be a circus. I believe USC also has another five-star recruit that committed this year. They do, yeah. Yeah. So if you're a USC fan, I know Hector is. Better tune in. That's all we got for you guys for episode 51. We hope you guys enjoy. Tune back in for episode 52. We'll see you guys then.